0: Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills all the time. And now Matt Bovay and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Oh boy, we have no shortage of things to talk about today. Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. We are now a week away from the NFL draft, but before we get to draft talk, and don't worry, we will demar hamlin has been 100% cleared to play football sal thinking back to january 2nd you were on the sideline i was in the press box from that moment until this moment what an unbelievable story and recovery for hamlin
1: it's incredible you and i were at the stadium on tuesday listening to him and it was pretty emotional but in a really good way right i mean we all kind of could feel what was happening in that room with Damar talking about coming back and how much this means to him obviously not just you know to be healthy but to play football again i mean this is his life he talked about you know making money providing for his family this is what he's done his whole life what he's been gearing towards the words that he spoke they were so eloquent matt they were so amazing he talked about you know being an inspiration for others to not be scared no matter what's in front of you, don't be scared of the obstacles. Don't be scared of the unknown. Just put one foot in front of the other and go forward and do what you have to do. He said he wants to be, you know, somebody who's inspiration for for that. And he's already an inspiration and in helping out actively with the awareness for. Um, I, I want to say it right, Comodo. Cor- How do you say it, Cordis? Right? As I say, Comodio it? Cordis. Yes. Comodio Cordis. I keep saying it wrong. It's like a tongue twister for me. But to it might be order, Commodio
0: Cardis. I don't Cardis. exactly know if it's Commodio Cardis or Cordis, but it's... well,
1: there you go. Well th- that the point is he has already been actively a part of awareness for that. It's young athletes who this happens to. and unfortunately, it's the um, leading cause of death amongst young athletes and the CPR training, and the AED availability to Mars, but at the forefront of that, this has been a great story.
0: Yeah, it has. I think the two most powerful things that I heard from DeMar Hamlin, it was just something about him saying them and to be in the room for it. And then to just have obviously the background of everything we watched the team go through and then to be in the building that night when it happened to hear him say, I died on the football field was pretty bone chilling. That was a moment where, you know, it sends a shiver down your spine to be like, wow, like, you know, we are all so fortunate that he was able to get through this. And I know it was really scary and it could have had a very different outcome, but given what we know now, if you would have told us that on January 2nd, I think everybody, including DeMar would have probably been like, okay, like, yes, this is the best case scenario for what could happen. And the second one was him saying there will probably be people out there who think I'm coming back too soon, who think that I should have never come back but he said he's beat the odds his entire life. And that's evidence of just him getting into the NFL and getting out of a situation that was not the easiest path to the NFL. And he says he likes his odds. And I think when you go through something like this and now it's just, it's, I don't even know the words to use. It's just remarkable. It's incredible to see how this has played out. And I'm just so happy that, you know, he can now focus on football again because that for him has been his whole life.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, everything you touched on there brings you also to the role that all the people had in helping him get to this point. He talked about all the medical personnel and the people by his side and the support of his family. One thing that really kind of resonated with me was when he talked about how he was asked what he's learned through this. And he said, you know, he learned that I guess the best way for me to kind of paraphrase is his moral compass is in the right spot and that he's been a good person who's treated people well. And he brings that to, the credit to his parents. And he says he knows that because of the outpouring of support he had from people that were willing to help him in his time of need, that he knows that, you know, he's kind of, he's living his life the right way and he wants to go forward, continuing to live his life the right way because he wants to pay back and be a part of, you know, all these people that supported him in so many ways. And then you have the organization, Matt. I mean, let's think about this. The bills, they could have also walked away from this and said, look, we're just not going to have you know this situation on us to say, we're going to play this kid. What we're going to do is we're going to trust the medical. We're going to trust the doctors. We're going to trust the people that, you know, DeMar Hamlin is seeing. And that's what they've done. And Brandon Bean said, when we spoke to him, before we heard from from DeMar, he said he's medically cleared. He's seen his last doctor, his last specialist, I should say. Everything's full go, basically. And he's a part of the football team. And we know he was out there working out as part of the team's offseason season workout. So I also want to give a lot of credit to the organization for sticking by him and being in this position to allow him to play football again. And thats that's got to have a lot of discussions, I'm sure, that went into that, and these two parties being on the same page the whole way through.
0: The Buffalo Bills are not a perfect organization, and they have not handled everything perfectly or even great. There are times when we need to be critical of the team. There are times when we should praise the team. And I know both of us are from here, and we do this podcast, and we cover the team, and we've probably both at some point been called homers or not critical enough but really from the time that this has happened up until now, I really don't know how you handle the situation better than the bills did from the night that it happened with Sean McDermott basically saying, and Zach Taylor too, Basically, getting their teams off of the field when they first had the opportunity to say, We cannot put our guys back out there. And then all of the support. I mean, you think back even to like Stefan Diggs hopping in an Uber and going to the hospital to be with him, and all of the people that stayed back in Cincinnati and Brandon Bean staying there for days and days with his family to make sure they were okay. And Bean said even today that the Bills have had medical staff go with DeMar to all of his appointments just so they are on the same page. I mean, we're talking about three different specialists here. This is not like one doctor cleared DeMar Hamlin to play football. This is three doctors that have cleared him, and the Bills are basically saying, like, this is your area of specialty. Like, this is your area of specialty. We trust you, and we're making sure we do our dil- due diligence and going through all of these different avenues, and we're checking, we're double-checking, and we're triple-checking. So from the support, and we don't know what it goes on, inside those walls every single day, but it also never just felt like this was, we need to get him physically back. It was, we need to get him physically back. We also need to get him mentally back to a point where he can be cleared to play football. And we need his teammates and family and friends to be in a good enough mental position that they can, you know, get through this because that was kind of the thing that nobody ever talked about. It's the thing that nobody ever talks about with a lot of stuff is the mental health aspect to it. And I give Sean McDermott so much credit For that first press conference we had after DeMar, remember the day we did the Zoom calls with the doctors and the surgeons from the University of Cincinnati Medical Center. And then later that afternoon, we talked to Sean, we talked to Josh. I believe those two came out together and Sean started talking about mental health. That was a big moment for me and for, I think, a lot of people to see that in the spotlight of given what was going on.
1: Yeah, agreed. And um, as a lot of people know, I'm I'm married to a mental health counselor, so I need that resolution Same. here Same. at home. Same, You Do I know that's right? Your Same. wife as well. We both are. So I think in our households, you know, that's something that's very important to us. And and my my son, what are you doing? My son is going to crash the party here for a second because he's happy for Demar. Come here. Hi, he, Max. He, he's going to say hi to Max. He's going to show. He's going to crash the party here. And he's hi, Max. Demar as well. He, Matt says hi. You can't hear. Hi. Him. There nice, you go.
0: Baseball, nice baseball shirt, buddy.
1: Hey, he loves your baseball shirt. There hey. you go. Max is very happy for DeMar as well. And, you know, he was at the game when um, uh, Naeem Hines returned the kickoff. And it, I remember the emotion that was pouring down on the sidelines that game and the the crying that was going on on the sidelines. And to come to this point to be it's a joyous occasion, right? It's interesting you said about how the doctors cleared him. Not only that, DeMar said, they encouraged him mm-hmm. to actually do this, which was amazing to me as well. It wasn't like they were like, hey, DeMar, if you really want to do this, go ahead. We're not going to stop you. It was oh, we think you could definitely do this and you probably should if you want to.
0: Yeah, and he said that going back to the mental health, he said the doctors encouraged it from that standpoint because they're like, listen, if you don't do this, you're probably always going to be thinking about if you should have done it or if you could have done it. And now if you just go out and do it, we think you're okay enough that you're able to go and pursue that. So you give them credit for kind of steering him in the direction of going back to football. If that's ultimately what he wanted, and listen, these are doctors, these are very smart people. They would have not told him that if that's not what he ultimately wanted to hear at the end of the day, he said that he kind of knew he wanted to get back out there after he was able to watch football again. I believe it was the Saturday before the bills played a game. He said he was sitting there watching games. He was watching the safeties play. And he was like, I miss this. I can do this. And this is what I've always wanted. So I'm going to get back out there. And I would think that, you know, you have a second chance at life. I remember that quote from the doctor that says, you know, you won the game of life. I would almost think that that would make you pour your heart and soul even into this more than you were because you realize how fortunate you are to be in the position that you are.
1: Last thing for me on DeMar specifically, let's talk about his transition to the football field. This is a team that he was starting at safety for most of the year, because obviously Micah Hyde was out. Jordan Poyer was banged up. We know that they had, there was a lot of transition going on last year. We didn't know where we'd be at that position. Suddenly, I mean, look what they have here. Now you have a, Healthy and cleared, Micah Hyde. A healthy and cleared Demar Hamlin. A healthy and ready to go, re-signed Jordan Poyer. A Taylor Rapp who comes over in the prime of his career. They signed Zane Anderson, but just those four guys I just mentioned. Suddenly, and by the way, Christian Benford maybe could play the spot mm-hmm. if they need him to. Matt, suddenly, like this looks like a a position that even though there were a lot of question marks, it's been so consistent. We know that one of the best safety safety positions in the league over the last five years. Really, though, at the end of last year, tons of questions. I'm not having any questions about this anymore. This group is really good now again.
0: I've always believed in trial by fire because I don't think really we're ever ready for anything. That's been a question I've been asked a lot about becoming a father. They're like, are you ready to be a dad? No, I'm not. But I'm learning as I go. Was I ready to be married? Nope, wasn't. Was learning (laughs) as I go. I think at some point you kind of have to think that way. So you can go both ends here. Would it be better for him in his transition to just be thrown back out onto the field into a starting role? Maybe. I don't exactly know how he would operate, but I think it's actually the opposite in this standpoint. I think it's better that you're going into a room that's got depth, that's stable, that's got veteran leadership, and you do not have to worry about, like, okay. Week one starter, DeMar Hamlin is out on the field. It can be like, okay, you're going to get some special team reps and let's just ease you back into things to make sure that your confidence is at 100%. And I think he'll get there. But I think it might take him a little bit longer than it would take somebody else coming off of an injury, given the circumstance.
1: If you're okay with moving on, I'll move on to the next uh, thing we want to talk about. If you have anything else on DeMar, though, by all means, I don't want to leave you short there.
0: No, I just think that, one of the things that you learn about when you go to like school for journalism and to cover sports is, you know, to be desensitized. This is more so for news reporting than it is for sports reporting, but mm-hmm. a lot of times you get desensitized to things because you're covering them. A lot of time news reporters are talking to people, they're doing stories on somebody's best day or on somebody's worst day. And I think it's so easy to be like, "Okay, that was almost 4 months ago. I haven't really thought about that in a while. Glad to see he's doing well." But just Knowing what he went through, I don't want to be desensitized to this because it is amazing of just the progress that we've seen and to think that four months ago, it was 106 days ago, we're recording this on Tuesday night, that this man was transported to the hospital from a football field in an ambulance after dying on the field and we did not know if he was going to make it to now being out on the field with his teammates and working out. That is Unbelievable. So, I, I just want everybody to realize, and I know that most people probably are, but sometimes we get so caught up in these moments and we're on to the next thing, and you haven't thought about it in a while. Like, this is something that should be celebrated. And I'm glad we're talking about it. And I'm really happy for him that he can now start thinking about football again.
1: All right. Well, let's move on to the next thing as we keep Tamar Hamlin and everything that happened in the forefront of the news cycle because it is an international, not just a national or a local news story. And it's great to see Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app, wherever you get your podcasts. It's always game day in Buffalo. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove here. Make sure that you are downloading and subscribing, not only on audio, folks, iTunes, Spotify, Odyssey app. We are on video now. Matt, I had to kind of do a little bit of the background thing. We're going to be on video. I got to do this. So, But I just noticed one of my Yankee bobbleheads in the shadow. I got to bring him out there. I got to, you just, there we go leave
0: leave it in the shadow. So I don't have to see it because before (laughs) I couldn't exactly tell what it was. So just leave it in the shadow. If there's anybody who's listening to this or watching this, like Sal mentioned, who's good with interior design, send me a DM Uh because I need to get a nice setup for, I got to figure out first off where I'm going to do it. I think right now it probably is going to be in the basement. Now, if I do it in the basement, I've got a lot of space down there but I'm going to need to soundproof the room a little bit because it's a pretty big space. So it would be echoey, but I've got a lot of things that I want to hang up that could make a cool backdrop. I just don't exactly know how to do it. So if you're somebody who's good at that stuff, hit me up and we'll try and figure this out
1: together. Well, speaking of cool background, like I couldn't put this up. I have to show it off. This is the replica Lombardi. I have that's for, That cool. I'm showing you, this is actually what I won for winning my fantasy football league with my buddies down in Florida this year. Pretty amazing. Isn't it? That's that is cool. cool.
0: My cool. fantasy league that I've been in for a long time, uh, is a belt? It's a championship oh, belt. Oh yeah, I love it. I like love
1: a W, it. like a WWE championship belt. Championship? Is that what it is? Like that? yeah.
0: The the yeah. name of the league is FFE, Family, Friends, and Enemies, and that's. <laughs> I the, love uh, it. There's a there's a trophy, but one guy wanted to go all out and get the championship belt. So that's been. I, I haven't had it since the belts became a thing.
1: Well, we apologize if you're only listening and you didn't see all of that, but we invite you to go to the YouTube page, Sal Sports on YouTube, really great response. The first couple of videos we put out and we're just going to keep putting more content on the YouTube page, but we're also here on audio. You don't have to go to the YouTube page. don't have to watch the video, but it's all there for you. Lots of different ways. And we have some really, really awesome guests coming up, including coming up uh, pretty soon. We're going to talk with Mike North, the head schedule maker, Matt. I can't wait to do that, a little tease for everybody out there. I'm so excited to with my yearly chat with Mike Northam for you to be included on it this year.
0: Yeah, I'm excited because I remember listening to it. I've listened to it the last two years. So now to actually be part of the call, a little bit nervous. I don't, because I've never met Mike. So a little bit intimidated, quite frankly, about somebody who's in charge of that much.
1: All right. Well, Mike North is going to tell us a little bit about the schedule. And we know the Bills have a London game this year. We know they have a very, very tough road schedule this year. That includes heading to the Kansas City Chiefs this year, heading to the Cincinnati Bengals, headed to the Philadelphia Eagles. Hey, did Micah Hyde
0: slip up, or is that common knowledge today? Did you catch that about after when you asked him about playing overseas okay. and he said the bye week after? Does that always happen? Because I don't no. I,
1: didn't... I, I know I I didn't mean to cut you off there. I, I don't think he slipped up. He doesn't know. It's basically, I think because it used to be you get the buy afterwards, a lot of people think that's the case now. What happens now is you get the choice of having a buy afterwards. But we could talk with Mike when we talk with him in our podcast. So maybe the Bills have already said we're going to do that, but I'm not really sure. I think it really might depend on they might be walking through that. The Bills may choose to take a buy, but actually, I went through it last year, Matt. I think out of like the eight teams that played international games, only two took a buy, or out of the six, one of them did, but it wasn't many. Like New Orleans did, I think. But I don't think he slipped up. I think he's just assuming there's going to be a bye, to be quite honest.
0: Because I think that's pretty relevant and pertinent information because so many people who I've spoken with are trying to make that trip. So if there is a bye week after the fact, you know, maybe you're not worried about getting home for a next game or you're not thinking about traveling to another game. You could be like, instead of maybe saying you have to go up the week of the game, you could go up a day or two before the game, and then you could make your trip the week after the game or or something along those lines. I, I just think that it was interesting information. And when he said it, The mind started turning a little bit thinking like, ooh, if they're off off the next week, sounds like I'm off the next week. Sounds
1: like you're already prepped to talk to Mike North, so we'll do that. We'll have that episode for everybody as well. In the meantime, we also heard from Bills GM Brandon Bean, head coach Sean McDermott. We heard from Von Miller, Josh Allen, and as you just said, Micah Hyde. Let's talk about Brandon Bean and some of the things he said. Most notably to me, talking about the draft specifically, this is our one chance to talk to him before the draft. You know, he recognizes with only six picks, it's going to be a little tough maybe to justify paring down and moving up. And especially considering what he said, and I thought this was the big lead of the day. It's not great. That's his quote. Those three words when asked, and I asked him, how does, how many first round grades you have this year? Because you generally have what, 20 to 25, maybe on a high end 25 in one year. He said, well, he won't get into specifics right now, but it's not great. But he also didn't rule out trading up if maybe you got that one guy that does still have a first-round grade, and you're at, like, 20, you're like, we got to get this guy or else we got nobody left. But he also said, if I was a betting man, I was in Vegas, maybe more would bet on moving down to pick up extra picks.
0: So after he said that, then the DeMar Hamlin news came up, so I kind of felt out of place to ask the question. It just didn't feel like the right timing. But I feel like it could go either way because when he said, when he implied that there aren't a ton of first-round grades, or at least the Bills don't have a ton of first-round, round grades. I think most people would assume okay, then they're likely to trade down. But you can make the counterpoint or are they more likely to trade up to secure one of those fewer players that does have a first round grade? And I think you could kind of go either way with that. So, at the end of the day, I'll take his even though everyone kind of is throwing smoke around during the draft time, like during these weeks leading up to the draft, I'll take him for his word. I bet they don't have as many first round grades as they normally have but it's so subjective anyway. Like, even if they don't have 25 players with first-round grades, my guess is there will be somebody on the board at 27 who they have a first-round grade on. It's just a matter of if it's worth taking that position or if they like the player enough, and we'll see what
1: happens. Really, I I, I think the other way. Now, it's very possible, of course, because every board is different, right? You might have one team that has 19 first-round grades, another that has 25, so chances would be you know better. For him to say that to me tells me they're gonna go pretty quickly. Now, there could be one or two that still remain because teams just don't value him as high. I think the Bills are gonna be to me, it feels like they're gonna be a situation where they're sitting at 20, 21, and they're like, Yeah, these it's gone. Like by the time we get to our guy, it's really um gonna be a guy where we have a second round grade on. And there's nothing horrible about that, right? It's just there's nothing you can do, it's a price of being good in the national football league. But Matt, if that happens. Then to me, you do what you can to find a trade partner to move down, not only because of the first round grade point, but also this team has six draft picks. They could use extra draft capital. They need more picks to contribute early to offset the financial um, ro- the part of their roster to do business because they're paying so many guys a high end salary against the salary cap.
0: True, but they also need high impact players who can help them right now because they're still in the window, and it seems like they're still going to get a com- compensatory pick next year of a third round pick. So, if, so, are you okay with them trading up? I'm okay with them trading up if they wow. give up any if they give up anything other than a first a future yeah. first round pick. I think that's a non negotiable. Like that's not on the table. Okay. But let's say you're sitting there at 27 and you love Smith and Jigba and he's on the clock or he's available at 20 and you're like, we love this guy. We think he's our top receiver. We think he can play very meaningful minutes and he potentially solves our problem of figuring out if we're going to pay Gabe Davis, $15 million a year. Mm -hmm. If that costs you a third round pick or something to move up seven spots, I'm okay with them doing that to go get their guy. No, I don't want, I don't think they need to be reckless. I don't think you got to trade up just to trade up, but, I even think back to, and we've never really found out if this was true, but remember back in twenty nineteen, the rumors that the Bills were trying to trade back up for Quinn and Williams. Mm -hmm. Like they got Ed Oliver. Ed Oliver slipped in that draft. Ed Oliver's a very good player. Rumor was they were trying to go from nine to no top three. I think three. I think they were trying to go from nine to three because I believe Quinn and Williams went four. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, would anybody really be scoffing at that right now? if they would have given up, I don't know, what was, what's it cost to get from nine to four, a one and a two,
1: but it would have been, yeah, maybe, maybe next year's one or the, that that year's two, whatever. I mean, you're talking to you move up into the top five, top three, four. I mean, you could be talking, even though you're already in the top 10 something for the following year. I, I don't disagree with you about like, if, if you got a guy, like you have, you covet that highly, you go up and do it. But I just, I question if you could find a guy that highly that you covet, that would still be there around 20 consider that would mean that you would basically have a much higher grade on a certain player and a prospect that the rest of the league does not have.
0: No, I agree with that. But I think with like skill position players, like for example, the wide receivers, I think there is a potential that maybe you love Zay Flowers and another team loves Jordan Addison. And maybe you've got a first round grade on Zay Flowers, but most other teams don't. And I think those are the situations where that gets a little bit complicated. And also one other factor to this that maybe makes it seem even more bleak for the Bills is mm-hmm. that he said that includes quarterbacks. They do not exclude quarterbacks. And he said they right. have multiple first round grades on quarterbacks. So if we're already talking about uh, you know a little uninspiring first round at least from the bills perspective it's even worse when you consider that they have multiple first round grades on quarterbacks like they're not taking a quarterback obviously
1: by the way thank you for pointing that out thank you for saying that I say it every year to everybody who says to me well do they even scout quarterbacks of course they do if not you're throwing your whole board off you have to you have to grade everybody individually on the position I mean it's they're not going to select a quarterback but they could get in a position where they have a third round grade on a quarterback and it's the fifth round. And they're like, dude, we got to take this guy. Like he's too good. We'll have an asset. We'll have a guy that could back up Josh Allen in a couple of years. You have to scout the guy. You have to put a grade on him. He has to be included.
0: Yeah. It's like Jake Fromm a couple of years ago. That that was a little bit of a head scratching pick when they made it, but he said, the value is just too good we weren't anticipating drafting a quarterback, but who knows maybe he could turn into our long-term backup and we have the hindsight now of knowing what happened but don't let that sway you away from the idea of doing something similar just because they're set at a lot of positions right now does not mean that that takes them out of anything especially like quarterback would be the most surprising move i would be if they have six draft picks I would be very
1: surprised if they draft a quarterback but I wouldn't say it's impossible one position I do think they're going to draft. After listening to Brandon Bean, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's earlier than later, actually, his defensive line. I think they that's have... smoke. I think that was smoke. Ooh, I think, I think... and say, say why and, and, and why you think it's smoke and what the, he said. The fact that he specifically brought it up made me think that that was like a decoy. Yeah, but he can't hide from it, Matt. He he was asked if there's anywhere on his team that he has to look to the future a little bit more because. They have guys that are on expiring contracts, and he can't hide the fact that his entire interior defensive line is on expiring contracts. Yeah. I mean, it's the four
0: people who are the most notable people on their defensive line, but I don't know. I, I just, I know he can't hide it, but I also don't think he would point to it unless he
1: was trying to throw people off. Right. I love it. A little smokescreen season from Brandon Bean. Anything else from Bean to sit out to you before we move on?
0: Not necessarily anything from Bean. I think that there were so many things that happened today. Like we could do five podcasts sure. on all of the stuff that was talked about today. I do think though, like you said, the most notable was him saying that if he was in Vegas, he would put more money on the potential of a trade down than a trade up. But at the same time, maybe that's smoke too.
1: <laughs> we'll find out. Um, nothing on am but I do want to just touch on before we uh, move on a little bit here to something else. Von Miller. He's a beast, man. That guy already working out, no knee brace. Matt, you and I are some of the most positive-thinking, positive people that people can ever run into, right? I mean, we just are. We're just – that's the way we are, you and I. We're always cheery and positive. I think we compare in no way to Von Miller and his positivity and his energy. This guy is amazing. He's gone through the depths of tearing his ACL pro football player twice, and he's it's like, yeah, it's always sunny in the facility here. Everything's great. Listen, no matter what happens to this dude, he will always turn it into – a way, a benefit, and not a hindrance. He will always turn it into an opportunity and not a cost.
0: Yeah, I commend people like that because I'm a pretty positive dude, but I'm nowhere close to that. So give him all of the credit in the world for that. And I do think it's relevant that, listen, we're at the stage right now. These are voluntary workouts. We'll peel back the curtain a little bit. We're not allowed to watch them work out. So what Mm -hmm. the Bills do is they send us video of the workouts, essentially. In the video, there are clips of Von Miller. He is not wearing any brace. He is not doing anything different. He's just got shorts on, and he is doing the same stuff as all of his other teammates. He also was asked, what does the timeline look like? And he didn't give specifics but he did say he thinks he'll be ready early in the season. Now, you can take that a lot of different ways. Does that mean he's going to miss all of camp and be ready for the season? I don't know. Does that mean he's going to be ready a couple weeks into the season? I don't think the Bills are in any position to rush him. And I also don't think he is at the point in his career where he will rush. He wants to be available at the end of the season, not the beginning of the season. But it seems promising. Like, I don't think that we're going to be sitting there on Thanksgiving wondering where's Von Miller kind of like we were with Tredavious white last year. I think it's going to be like, eh, maybe he misses a couple weeks and then he's going to be ready to go. Cole Beasley. did You see Cole Beasley's tweet today. Cole, not- Cole Beasley quoted the video of him working out and said, this guy is a beast at 70%. He could still dominate.
1: It's amazing. It really is. And Boy, I just think back to last year and how much they missed him in those key moments late in the season, especially in the playoffs. I don't know if they beat the Cincinnati Bengals with Von Miller, but I do think that they obviously have um, more of a chance to do it. And, you know, things, other things had to go right for them. But either way, um, having this guy on the field and fully healthy, if he can be there as early as possible next year, would be pretty incredible. All right, Josh Allen spoke, Micah Hyde spoke, Sean McDermott spoke. Matt's got a lot of that content over at WKBW.com, also on Channel 7 when He's on the air. I have it at WGR550.com. Check it out. Extra point show as well. Weekdays, 10 to 12. Let's talk draft.
0: Okay, Sal, to close things out, I figured this would be the perfect time to run a little bit of a mock draft. Just a very quick simulation here. I am using the ESPN's draft simulator right now. I just started it. So it'll take, I don't know, 15, 20 seconds or something, and then we'll see who's available when the bills are on the clock at 27. Now, we talked about it earlier. Who knows if the Bills will even stay at 27, but for the sake of the conversation, I feel like it's helpful for people to know kind of what players are around that range, what players could be available, what players couldn't be available. Is there anybody who you're leaning towards right now without seeing the simulation of like, man, I hope the Bills can get that person or I think they should get that person?
1: You know, I keep looking at the linebackers and Jack Campbell's been the name, but a name I've been leaning to a little bit lately is Drew Sanders, the other linebacker, the guy from Arkansas. You know, he actually you know who his comp is at NFL.com from Lance Zerline. Do you know who Drew Sanders comp is? Tremaine Edmonds. It is, it's Tremaine Edmonds. Yeah.
0: yeah, right, which is amazing. Sense.
1: And he is, he he's he's Ranger, he's six four, but he actually, to me, and I'm not comparing him to the player, but the way you could use him would be very similar to the way they use Lorenzo Alexander. Off the ball, on the ball, different kinds of things. And he has a higher ceiling as an athlete and, and than Lorenzo. And that's no offense to Lorenzo. We love him, obviously. Um, but he's somebody. And then and then I think about the receivers and the tight ends and the pass catchers, the weapons. Like, I'm interested in that and who's left on the board. If, if I can't imagine Jackson Smith and Jigba is still there. Nope. I'm fascinated by if the Bills, what they feel about Zay Flowers, what they feel about Michael Mayer or Darnell Washington, guys like that.
0: Okay. Well, I think if this is how the board fell – Bills fans would probably be the most interested in potentially trading back. That is if you're not interested in taking a defensive lineman. So the top players available in this simulation are Miles Murphy, the defensive end and Will McDonald's, the other defensive end, both pretty highly rated players, but also defensive ends. And the bills have spent a lot of resources on defensive end over the years. So I really can't see them doing that. The top player available here besides the linebackers that I think would make sense for the bills is Jordan Addison, the wide receiver from USC. But a lot of people have said Jordan Addison reminds them a little bit of Stefan Diggs, which Mm -hmm. you love Stefan Diggs. He's an unbelievable player. But are you looking for somebody with that same skill set? So given how this one played out, I think I would be more interested for the Bills to move back and then Mm -hmm. try and get one of those linebackers and then recoup some other sort of asset, whether it was another second-round pick or a third-round pick. Like we talked about earlier, you've only got six, so it probably doesn't hurt to add a pick or two.
1: Mac, my favorite idea is to move back. Like that's my favorite idea of anything. I, I think the bills should try to move back. I think they need more picks. I think that this isn't a great draft class. I think the sweet spot is in the middle rounds. It would all add up. Problem is you got to have a trade partner to move back. And if everybody's yeah. feeling that way, nobody's going to really want to do that. Cause then teams got to move up and you're not really getting. Necessarily as quality values you might in other drafts. I've also heard that next year's draft is actually really good compared to this year's draft from the projection standpoint. Mm-hmm. So maybe a up a. Pick next year if you can somewhere along the line, if you can do that by moving back. So, you know, that might be enticing to another team that might say, okay, well, it's less capital we have to give up this year. Um, that is my favorite idea. But if we're talking players, um, those are the players that I would look at. And I would be opposed to like a, a Jordan Addison, but I don't love it in the first round. But at the same time, I mean, if, if you're stuck, you with stuck, right? If you're stuck having to take a player and you're there, and you got to grab a guy. Well, I mean, you know, there, there's worse ideas than guys that could come in on your team and fill a spot that I think is needy.
0: I just feel like you can have your cake and eat it too here. Like, I think you can take a player in the first round late in the first round and still have a chance of getting one of those linebackers. Now it's going to be a stretch, but I think my best case scenario for the bills is that they get some sort of offensive player in the first round at 27. And then they make a move to get one of those linebackers in the second round, even if it means trading up in the second round, because to move up in the second round, isn't going to cost you nearly as much obviously as it would to move up in the first round. So in my head, I think this would be a really big win for the bills. If you could get either like a Darnell Wright or a Jordan Addison or Zay Zay flowers or a Michael Mayer, And then you can also get one of those linebackers. I just don't know if it would be a success for me if they went into this draft and you know, their top player, was Jack Campbell or Drew Sanders. And that's not meant to be a knock right. on either of them. Right. But I almost just think back to the year where they traded the Value's
1: not really there, right? That's
0: well I think back to the year where they traded for Stefan Diggs. They didn't have their first round pick and then they took AJ Apinesa who going into that draft a lot of people thought was going to be a first round pick. Then he slid to them and we were all sitting here, I'm guilty of this too, being like, wow, this was a first round talent and they got him in the second round and it fills a need. This feels like a win. Well, up to this point, A.J. Epinesa has not lived up to the expectations. And I'm not saying that Jack Campbell or Drew Sanders are in that same boat. I just feel like you have an opportunity to get two of those types of impact players. I mean, Brandon said it on Tuesday when we talked to him. You expect a second-round pick to start for you within a year. You expect a first-round pick to start for you most of the time right away. I think you need to be getting two guys who can start for you right away in this draft, given the window that they have
1: you know, it would be great for the bills. If guys from last year's draft class really stepped up like Kyrie Lim, and then James Cook becomes like, that's a, that's a big part of this. Right. I mean, yeah. to, to your point about these guys coming in and having to make big impacts right away. All right. So my favorite idea is to trade down. Is there a player though, that could reasonably be there around 2021? Brandon use that, that spot as an example. That's why I'm using it. He said, once you get like six, seven picks ahead, You're going to kind of know if there's going to be a guy there, whether you should go up and get somebody or maybe you start thinking about coming back. Is there a guy that could conceivably be there around 2021 that you'd say, you know what? I think if that guy's there, I think I need to trade up for him.
0: Well, you know what? I'll tell you based off of just the simulation that I ran, the picks at 19, 20, 21 were Nolan Smith, the linebacker, but then Zay Flowers and Quinton Johnson. So two wide receivers and then Brian Brees, the defensive tackle. So like, these are all players who I think would make an immediate impact on the bills. I don't think I would be interested in jumping up for any of those players. Cause I just quite frankly, don't know enough about Zay Flowers and Jordan Addison to know if one is substantially better than the other one, or if one would be a way better fit for the bills, the only one who I'm really ready to like pound the table on is Smith and Jigba. Like if he was available, if he, you know, if there's let's say one wide receiver goes before him and he's available late in the teens, early in the twenties, I would be okay if they gave up their first round pick and a third round pick to go up and get that guy, because I think he could be an immediate difference maker.
1: Yeah. I don't think the guy will be there that I'm thinking of. Oh, okay. I think it's Darnell. Right. I I think that, you know, actually it's, it's Baldy who convinced me of this from being honest. Right. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Like I, I wasn't necessarily thinking that way, but the way Baldy talked about him, I'm going to trust Brian Baldinger here. I'm going to say, look, I think that would be a guy. Like if, if you can get him, and he's there at 2021, I know they have all this faith in Spencer Brown. They talk about, but it sounds to me just listening to him and, Reading up about him and how he dominated Anderson when they played each other, who's going to go in the top two or three, it seems like. I think that's the guy that if he starts falling, I think I'm saying, you know what, go get him.
0: Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I think Brian Baldinger knows a thing or two about, you know, playing at the line. So I will trust his read on that. And I do think that that would be a very valuable addition for the Bills if he was going to start to slip in the first round, it just let's see in this projection where he went, it was probably super early. Cause I didn't even notice it. one
1: myself as I was on the line with you here, as we were talking, mm-hmm. I was, and you were talking um, and he yeah. went, where is he? Actually? He went
0: 18 and mine. He went 18 to the lions.
1: Okay. Well he on mine, let's see. I got Johnson, Johnson Porter, right? Oh, there he is 17 to the Steelers here. So that seems to be about the sweet spot. I think that, Hoping for him to get to 20 is probably a little bit too ambitious. I don't know if 20
0: is too ambitious, but 27 is too ambitious.
1: That's for sure. Yeah, Yeah. but I think even 20 or 21 might be if you want to even think about, you know, trading up in that scenario. It is funny. There's still all the Bijan Robinson talk out there, right? I mean, we've seen it. We've seen I've seen three mocks in like the last two days, three days that have had Bijan Robinson to the Bills.
0: Where there's smoke, there's fire. I, I don't think that all of these people doing these mocks are putting him there because they've seen other mocks with him there. But it's interesting to me. It's interesting to me that for the last several years, there have been running backs that are highly touted prospects continuously connected to the Bills. And a lot of people have said it would be a perfect fit. I won't, you know, throw, I won't flip the table if that's what they do, but I will be a bit skeptical if that's the decision they make. But you know, only time will tell. Here's the thing that becomes interesting, though. We already were talking about how many first round grades Brandon says that they have. And if they don't have a lot, and Bijan Robinson is one of your first round grades, and he's the only one, I think I would be okay if they did that instead of traded back.
1: Hmm. Like, okay. let's say they have, yeah.
0: let's say that, yeah, let's yeah, say yeah.
1: They I, have, This is a good point. 18, I, I wanna, I, 18 players with first round ahead, grades.
0: Like Let's say they have 18 players with first round grades and Bijan Robinson is one of those players and you're sitting there at 27. You're trying to move back, but you don't have a deal you love. Then you go, Hey, screw it. We're going to take the one guy who's got a first round
1: grade on the board and we're going to be set at running back for the next five years. Okay. Two things. Number one, I'm glad you brought this up because if I disagreed with you, I'd be a hypocrite because the draft's about value for me. I always say that it's about value. You're not taking a quarterback if he's there at that spot, but yeah, I mean, that's a, great player for his position and the draft is about value and I always say like I don't think the value is necessarily there to draft a running back in the first round but when you're talking to a guy you have that highly graded if he's there and he's the only one then you do it the other part of that is I always am afraid that when I say that when I say you know I don't really think you should take Bijan Robinson at 27 I just don't think running back you know it's a bills it's a quarterback centric offense you know you can get running backs later that, that does not mean I hate B. John Robinson. I love him as a prospect. He's actually probably my favorite player this entire draft because he's so dynamic and I want to see what he's going to evolve into in the NFL. So I don't ever want to come across as that. So I'm okay with that. If if he was there and I knew the Bills board and it was looking there, I was looking at it, and B. John Robinson is rated 18, 19, and the next highest player is rated like 25, I think I'm probably doing it.
0: I just think at the end of the day, even though it's not great asset management to use a first round pick on a running back and history has told us that it's also a very short term impactful position and for the window the bills are in if they draft Bijan Robinson Bijan Robinson will get more touches for this team than any wide receiver they could draft and any tight ends they can draft. That's just the reality of it. And if you're still trying to win a Super Bowl this year, which you're going to be trying to win a Super Bowl obviously every year when you're in this window with Josh Allen, but as you're still very much in this window, find guys who can make an impact immediately because mm-hmm. last year, quite frankly, they didn't get enough of an impact from any of their rookies.
1: All right, so let's uh, wrap this up here, and uh, if you have anything else on the draft you want to do, but I, I want—I have one question for you that's a little bit off-topic before we head on out of
0: here. No, you can hit me with the off-topic question.
1: I think you know exactly where I'm going. We are recording this right now on a Tuesday night, the opening night of the Lightning Maple Leafs series. Yes, yes. The final score, as I talk to you right now, it just ended 7-3. to three. Yeah. Tampa has defeated Toronto. Your reaction, Mr. Bovee. Okay.
0: So a lot, you know, I love hockey. We talk about hockey in the
1: podcast pretty
0: frequently. I think Toronto is the better team. I really, really do. Now, they just got laughed out of their own building by the lightning. There is something to be said about Tampa Bay knowing how to play playoff hockey and Toronto not being able to play that style of game. I think there's validity to that. And what I'm going to say is this keeps tying back to the point for me of really missing an opportunity for the Sabres, because I think you need to learn how to play that game. And I think even if you would have went and got dominated by Boston, it would have been a very valuable learning experience for a young group that is trying to become one of those upper echelon teams. So that kind of stinks for the Sabres, but whatever, brighter days are ahead. Number two, even though Toronto got laughed out of their own building, I will not write them off because I truly believe they are the more talented team right now. I know Tampa's had a ton of success and Toronto could only hope to be what Tampa has been these last several years with the Stanley cups, but it's one game, you know, if they go down Oh two and they lose that game seven to three, then I think everybody, because they're already going to be losing their minds after this game, yeah. then they need to start That's figuring high. out like, there needs That's to be I mean, then like if they lose this series, especially if they get blown out in this series, there might need to be a seismic shift with the Toronto Maple Leafs roster. And I don't know how uh, that happens, but you can't keep doing the same thing over and over again and keep losing in the first round over and over again.
1: Matthews and Neland are both going into the last year of their deal next year. So you're right. I mean, there's may, could be something, but t- look, I'm here for it. I'm here for, I want to see the meltdown. I want to see what it looks like if Toronto doesn't get out of this round. I do not want the Lightning to win the Cup. I do want them to win this series. Let me they ask are you- more They are more talented, Tampa. I'm sorry, Toronto, but not in goal. And when Tampa's playing their best hockey, they're still damn good. The problem is they haven't played their best hockey in quite some time
0: now. No, they're not a very consistent team right now, but they're consistently dominant in the playoffs, except for that yep. one year that they lost to Columbus. Let me ask you this question before we wrap up. I predicted before the playoffs started Bruins golden Knights in the Stanley cup. If that were to happen, who do you root for?
1: Uh, I root for the power to go out. So <laughs> I don't have to watch it. Not in the, not the arena. Don't want anybody to get hurt. Oh boy.
0: There they are. It's tough.
1: Oh my God. It's gosh. tough. You know what? You know what? Um, I think i believe it or not might root for Vegas because that's fair. Whatever. I mean, give Jack his cup. We're going to get one, one day. I'm just so tired of Boston. I just can't do it. I just can't do it. Really?
0: Can't believe you said that.
1: Yeah. I do like Bergeron. I don't like, obviously do not like uh, Marshawn.
0: Here's my take on the Bruins. I like Castronach
1: and and you know Lena Solmark. I might, I'd be okay with Lena Solmark winning it, but it's just Boston, man. It's just Boston. Here's my take on the Bruins. If you took that exact team
0: and put them in any other city with any other jersey on, they would be a very likable group. Yeah. Like because they play in Like people, obviously, Linus Olmark, Pastrnak, Bergeron, Felino, there's so many likable. McAvoy, like there's a lot of likable guys on that team. But here in Buffalo, people despise the Bruins, rightfully so. Totally get it. But as an actual team, besides Marchand, like there's really not a lot of guys yeah. that people hate. It's just that it's the Bruins. And then you've got on that other team, the guy that a lot of people
1: here hate. So I might change be- my mind if it got to it. Like I could see myself watching that series and going, no, no, no. I'm not rooting for Jack. I just can't do it. I got, I'll, I'll root for Boston. I could do yeah. that.
0: Let everybody, let everybody think on that one as we uh, say goodbye to you here. But thank you for listening to another episode
1: of it's always game day in Buffalo.
0: Yeah. Deco let's can we thank,
1: can we thank Lucas Luke- here, our, 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 producers you know he's, he's done an amazing job. We had a lot going on tonight. A lot. And- thank you, Lucas. Yeah, we we had a long night, a long day down at the stadium. Podcast. L- Lucas actually he produces, um, you know, the Bison's games over on the Bet fifteen twenty as well, as part as, part of Odyssey. And we 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 put Lucas to work today. So we just want to thank him. He he did a lot, a lot of work for us today. We want to thank. Him. He did a great job.
0: Shout out Lucas. Shout out Sal. And I'm Matt. Thanks everybody for listening to It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. The next time you hear from us, it will be the week of the NFL Draft. We'll talk, you, we'll talk to you then.